Welcome everyone to the Russell Show. I'm your host Russell Chaudhry and can't wait to jump into today's podcast episode. Episode number 59, we have a special guest Emily Triox. In this episode, we will discuss with Emily the topic dealing with loss, loving and living through grief. So don't forget to subscribe, leave a review on our podcast. Let's dive in. Hi Emily, thank you so much for taking the time out for this episode. I really appreciate it. How are you doing today? I'm great. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, you're most welcome. So yeah, super excited to talk about your book, which is Loving and Living Through Grief. And uh, obviously it's so dealing with the loss and everything. So before we get to the topic, just wanted to get to know better about yourself. So our audience will know like who you are and how why you become a life coach. So tell us, like, uh, what made you become a good life coach? I have had two husbands die, uh, as well as my parents, my sister, most uh, yeah. most of my family, and lots of friends. So I have lots of experience with uh, dying and facing grief. But after my two husbands died, after the second one died, I really did some self-examination saying what what am I supposed to be doing now Mm -hmm. uh how am I going to live the rest of my life and what I discovered is that I've got gifts uh that I can give to other people who are dealing with grief and helping them deal with their grief through writing and through learning happiness practices so that they can live their best lives and it makes me feel good to make them feel good and so we all can be happy yeah, it's, it's so sorry to hear that like you have to lose both of your husbands and also like your family members. It's not easy things to go through because I lost both of my parents uh, early age when I was like uh, 13 years old and totally oh. understand like they're going through uh, such a thing. Uh, just losing someone, most of people like having probably lost their loved ones and it's not easy for them to understand and those who already lost them and they know like the feeling of it and everything. It stays like for a long term, isn't it? The pain it does. and emotions, yeah. Yeah, so how long have you been uh, become a life coach? Uh, how long are you serving others? I, uh, Ron died four years ago and I started writing right after that because I'm, I'm a writer. I still mm-hmm. teach writing online at the university. I've done that for many, many years. Yeah. and. As I was trying to figure out what to do, I just started writing to myself. What what am I, what can I do? How can I feel better? What's my purpose? All that sort of thing. The more I wrote, the more different ways of writing I discovered that it would help. And so I decided I'd start teaching other people how to do that who were dealing with grief. And I did. I invited uh, people to come to my home and we met regularly until the pandemic. And then, of Mm -hmm. course, we went online. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that that really helped. And I also read a book called Happy for No Reason by Marcy Shimoff. And I thought, I I need this. it I wasn't feeling any joy or happiness I was uh it I I felt kind of flat and Mm -hmm. reading that made me feel a lot better and I discovered that she had a program so that I could become a certified happy for no reason trainer to be able to use all the things that she does and all the, the training that I do so I've combined grief and happiness writing and happiness in a way to help people um 
discover how they can live their best lives and feel their best, even under the circumstances they're dealing with. Yeah, that's wonderful. Like, and when, when did you wrote your book, Loving and Living Through Grief? I wrote it, uh, I started writing it a few months after Ron died, my last yeah. husband who died. Yeah. And I did that because a good friend of his had uh, just dropped out and he was much younger than, than Ron. Um, and he, he was married and had two teenage daughters. And I was so concerned about his wife because I knew mm -hmm. she had no idea uh, of what she should be doing because she wouldn't have even considered her husband dying at that point in her life. Yeah. So I wrote her a big letter saying, um, these are the things that you need to be concerned about right now. And these are the things you don't need to worry about at all. And she let me know later how much good that letter did for her because nobody else was talking to her about those things. They'd yeah. come around and say, let me know if you need anything, but they weren't offering any, you know, concrete help. And I thought I've got to do more than that. So I decided to write her every week for mm -hmm. a year after Chap died. Mm -hmm. And in, in the process of it, I thought, okay, at this point, what she, would she be dealing with and what would she be thinking about? And before I started sending the cards, I decided I better write out the contents for all of them yeah. to make sure I got 52 things. So <laughs> I did. And when I finished that, I thought, you know, this is an outline for a book. This could help a lot of people because lots of times when people search for books to help them deal with their griefs, yeah. most of the books are memoirs. And I've read a lot mm -hmm. of those and they're, they're powerful books, but they weren't helping me personally that much. Mm -hmm. where this book that I've written at the end of every chapter, it's got something active that the person can do to help them deal with their grief. Yeah. And so it's, it's really different and it's, it's powerful. And I've, I've had just wonderful reviews and comments on it from people that say that this, this is the book that really helps. Yeah. Congratulations for launching your book. And yeah, thank you for the, such a thing like uh, sometimes like people go through some kind of grief and everything they tend to forget about other people and you remember others and trying to help them whoever going through like the same situation you've been through with your book so which is a uh, great uh i think is a great intention to do such a thing so with your book uh walk me through like uh what is your book is all about is that like a calming something down to someone and just making them accepting the situation they had or like is there a clear path for them to keep moving forward with their life? The book has um, 26 chapters and each one of those chapters is on a different subject. So mm -hmm. you can look at the table of contents and say, oh, that's what I wanna read today because that's that's the chapter that, that I'm, I'm dealing with right now. Yeah. For instance, there's a chapter on forgiveness because Lots of times there's somebody out there that you need to forgive and, and release it so yeah. that you can move on. And sometimes it's yourself that you need to do some self-forgiveness so that you can be able to move forward. And this chapter talks about what forgiveness is, what it means, what you can do to forgive people and how you can get past forgiveness and how much better it feels when you actually practice it. So mm -hmm. if you realize that, that you've got some anger towards someone, perhaps in the way they treated you around the, the death or your grief, yeah. then you can go through this process. It's in this chapter that helps you solve that particular problem. So there's like 26 different 
problems yeah. <laughs> or uh, situations that you can use the book for to, to help you deal with those situations. And not everybody needs them all. Mm. Um, but you can, that's, that's what's so good about it is to be able to pick and choose what you really need. Most yeah. people I've talked to end up reading the whole book because they got so much out of where they started that they wanted to get that much out of all the rest of it too. Yeah, interesting. So I want to like know your journey, like what you actually did every time you lost someone, like what was your mindset like? I know it's everyone we have to do different uh, losing someone. I, I was like a proper shock for four or five days, like when both my parents passed away. So for me to take some time and everything, it took me some time. Some people reacted different ways. Some gone and depression, um, anxiety, other person like sometimes get like uh, like my mom uh, when my dad passed away and she died in within like 90 days so my dad died in 9th wow. of january 11th of january my mom died in 8th of april so it's like uh, inside 90 days and she couldn't take it like she was depressed proper depressed she was grieving like a proper crying all the time seeing his face when she's going to sleep and everything so she couldn't take it at all uh, comparing to like uh, me and other siblings of mine. So like, uh, how was your process? Like uh, when you lost your first husband, how, how did you take it? And was it like uh, it takes long time to recover from it or like uh, not so long comparing to like your second husband? It, uh, both times were, were really pretty different. Yeah. And when Jacques died, he had been, we were married for 22 years and he started having health challenges around our fifth anniversary. Mm -hmm. So we'd been dealing with, with things for quite a while. Right. And his last two years were, were really tough, uh, very, very hard on him being in the hospital lots of the time and dealing with lots of pain, especially. Yeah. So when someone you love is going through all that, it, you, you can't help but absorb that and be, yeah. be feeling with him. And ironically, he was, um, he it was a philosopher. He was the, at the uh, college teaching a class mm -hmm. to nurses. It was required for all nurses on dealing with death and dying. Yeah. So we, we had talked lots about death and dying. We had many deep conversations about it. But when it came right down to him, I don't think he really realized that he was going to die. Because he kept going to the doctor, going to the hospital, thinking that they were going to make him better so he could go right. back to his old life. Yeah. So when he, when he didn't get to do that, when he ultimately died, it was, it was tough because I thought, how could did, I handle it? Did he have any kind of critical illness, like a cancer? Or something? He, he, he had uh, congestive heart failure and then oh. renal failure, kidney failure that went along with the congestive heart failure. Yeah. And, and he had diabetes too. Okay. And ironically, Ron also ended up with congestive heart failure and renal failure and had to go on dialysis. So the, we had those things in common. Mm -hmm. But with Jacques, it was kind of... Um, I had, well, with forgiveness, I had some forgiving of myself to do because I, I, after he died, because I, I just realized like an hour before he died yeah. that this is, this is what happened because he asked me if he was going to get better. And I thought, shoot, that means that this whole time he thought he was getting better and that he could yeah. get fully better. 
And so I, I was kind of beating myself up over that because I thought, what could I have done to have made the path easier for him? And mm -hmm. I finally realized that wasn't serving me because I did the best that I could at the time yeah. under the circumstances that we were in. And I think that's what most people do. They, they do the very best that they can and they don't need to beat themselves up over it. So I eventually, I spent a lot of time by myself that first year. I, mm -hmm. I did go back to teaching at the university, but I, I would go to school and teach and come home and sit. I wasn't reading a lot. I wasn't watching TV or, or yeah. anything like that. I was mostly just sitting. It took me quite a while to get to the point where I felt like being around people again. And ultimately, when I did, I actually did very well. And I, I was surprised that I was yeah. also grateful. It was different when uh, Ron died because he had such a different philosophy. He very much believed in living in the moment always. And that that was yeah. really all that mattered because it's really all you have. And so our lives together were like mm -hmm. that. We were always focused not on anything that happened in the past, not on what was going to happen in the future. Yeah. It, we just focused on on what was going on right then and that made it a lot easier for him to deal with his illness and his pain and it made it a lot easier for me to support him because i learned from the first time that i really wanted to do what i could to support both of us in mm -hmm. the process so that it could be the best experience it could be because we knew that death was inevitable yeah and it made sense to us to make our lives uh, the best it could be while we were together. So yeah. that's how we lived. And it was much easier the second time. That's not to say I wasn't kind of wiped out right after he died for a while getting, uh, getting myself back together. But once I did, I was able to find positive and productive things to do and really um, reinsert myself into society in a way that that's positive and I feel good about and yeah. I, I love help, helping other people to hopefully find that happiness too that, that they can have to make them feel better yeah absolutely so both of you are uh, you mentioned that you lost many people as well so your parents mm -hmm. uh, your siblings as well right yes yes my sister died in November last year it's been oh, just a year right now. Yeah. Or was it caused of like in the COVID or just a normal cause? Well, it wasn't caused by that. She she hadn't been healthy for a while. She was mm -hmm. a lot older than I am. And she, when her husband died, uh, he was 59 and she was 57. Right. And she just kind of stopped functioning. Mm -hmm. She would, she, she was very active in her church. So she'd go to church on Sundays. Yeah. And besides that, she sat, and I mean, in the same chair all the time. I didn't, she lived far away from me, so I didn't realize until a few years later when she had a serious health crisis and I went to help take care of her, that her husband had died in their bedroom. And so she yeah. had that bed removed yeah. and taken away, and she hadn't really gone back in the bedroom. She was sitting in a reclining chair in the living room because she couldn't face going back in there. Mm -hmm. So she, she was in, uh, she just, she got finally toward the end of her life so that she smiled more and, and we could 
talk and have good conversations, but she was very sad all the time. She was part of my inspiration too, to be able to help people not get stuck in a place like that, because it's easy to get stuck. It's easier to sit there and get stuck than it is to actively do something to help yourself feel better. And so I want to have different options for people that they can use to help themselves feel better and and then I can help them on the way. Yeah. And she she, she wasn't like like yourself. So she was like a different, she took some time to recover, right? It took her some time for like accepting the situation. Yeah, she lived, uh, let me see, uh, 20 years after he died yeah so and and she lived kind of in she she accepted that he was gone but Mm. she also accepted that she was never going to be happy again really you know that that uh her life was not going to be what she anticipated it would be for the rest of her life so for me it's it's important to help people find what's good about their lives now Mm -hmm. what what they can do what uh is is beautiful in in the world out there one of the things that helped me a lot and i've got a chapter on that is gratitude yeah because um, people kept telling me that i i needed to be paying attention to what i was grateful for after shock tide no <laughs> what what did i have to be grateful for my husband's dead you know yeah that that was my mindset but i had enough people say something about it that i thought well it wouldn't hurt me to write down a couple things well once mm-hmm. i started writing them down I kept having more and more things to be grateful for. And I, I finally got a, a journal to write gratitude in because I, I was focusing on the good things that were out there. And the more I did that, the better I felt. And yeah. it could be simple things. It, it could be like, I really love drinking ice water. <laughs> and I didn't before, but now I really appreciate it i didn't even think about water before but now i realize how good it makes me feel to drink adequate water to keep me healthy but also to refresh me and anybody can have that you know it's it's a simple thing it doesn't have to be a big giant thing like oh if i went on a big trip or if i got a new home that was different or that sort of thing it doesn't have to be big like that it can be Mm -hmm. things in in every moment that can um let you realize that, that uh, life is good yeah it's, it's like uh, you have to also accept uh, the situation right because mm-hmm. the reality of life like we're not going to be there for forever and that's the law mm-hmm. of the life and universe every person have to meet the death so why not accepting it like some people can go early some people are going to go late it's just the way it is the more we accepting it is it's much easier to accepting the reality when it actually comes so with me like uh, after losing my parents like if any of my loved ones passed away or something it's not going to affect me like how it used to be before right now i'm just accepting it because this is the reality someone have to go i have no guarantee with my own life i can die tonight tomorrow and then how can i expect someone going to live forever and that's the reality and obviously, we have to have a grief and we have to go through the sadness and obviously remembers of the person. It's going to be there. It's not removable. Like, obviously, you lost both of your husband. The memory is there. You're going to miss them time to time. But it doesn't mean that life is ended for you. 
it's a new chapter it begins right that's right that's right and i i think it's a lot of it has to do with um while the person is still living choosing to to live your best life with them mm -hmm. and choosing to support them however they want to be supported yeah uh, with ron for instance it got to the point he was having a re reaction to the uh solution that they were using for uh, his dialysis yeah. and it was a terrible terrible reaction and it it was uh incredibly uncomfortable and finally he told the doctor that if if they couldn't make if they couldn't fix that problem that he mm -hmm. couldn't stay on dialysis and the doctor said well you realize that that you can only live maybe a week after you stop dialysis and your wow. quality of life is not going to be that great in that yeah. week and he said i can't live like i am and i would rather not make things worse for me and worse for the people that are watching me and taking care of me um he said i'm ready i've had a good wonderful life and mm -hmm. so um let's just go on hospice and that's what he did he went on hospice on monday and he died on friday oh. yeah so sorry to hear that and also it affects like if someone got critical illness and your loved one in the home especially with the partners it's affect the person next to you who's looking after you and day to day is like you see more pain than actually the person is feeling the pain because i remember my dad had a lung cancer and he struggled for like mm -hmm. one and a half years every night he used to scream with the pain so i have to put uh, oh. painkiller patches on his chest and it i think the scream was still here till i was like uh, 25 years old so wow. from the age of 13 i lost him till 25 years old sometime in the midnight i used to wake up jumping because i can hear my dad is screaming and asking me to put the patches on for him so mm. the pain he had to go through this is the only way uh, i just accepting his death, which is like, he's in a peace now, comparing to what hardship he had to go through. And also like my mom couldn't handle the pain. She used to live, uh, sleep in a different room because of everything's going on because she had anxiety uh, really bad. So if she's seeing him like screaming this much and having the pain, she's gonna get heart attack. And eventually she did after losing him, she had a heart attack and passed away. So yeah, it's like it goes more, I think, on family members comparing to the person actually going through the kind of critical illness. And I think accepting it is better, like if someone died with a critical illness after the pain is relieved, so that way you can comfort yourself thinking they're in a peace right now, comparing to right. the past experience they had. So I have one That's question for you, which is like, obviously you wrote the book and also you coaching other people living through the grief. So if someone lost their loved one, what's the first thing they can do in order to reduce the stress and the anxiety they have and the pain they have? The very first thing, <clears throat> excuse me, that I always say is that they need to practice good self-care. Mm -hmm. Sorry. <clears throat> self-care is incredibly important. And what, what happens a lot of time, like with my sister, she stopped that, you know, I don't know how long she went between showers and she didn't eat wisely. Mm -hmm. And lots of times people either forget to eat, don't care about eating, or they eat everything in sight and things that aren't good for them. And they'll do yeah. one extreme or the other. They also um, 
sleep sleep is can be kind of an escape so they sleep whenever they get a chance to and that fills up their their cycle so that they're kind of in and out of sleep and and never get adequately rested so mm -hmm. resting is very important eating is very important moving is very important one of the yeah. the things that i see most often is people sit down and they don't get up unless they absolutely have to for something where um, you can you can go for a walk. I know even even when uh, COVID first hit and everybody was absolutely at home and didn't go anywhere. I walked yeah. around my yard. I, I being outside was very important. And even if I would walk in circles outside mm -hmm. for not that long of a distance, it exercised my body. I could breathe more deeply, yeah. and I could observe the beauty around me that in spite of everything that was happening in the world where I live here in Hawaii, the sky was still beautifully blue and had white puffy clouds and green trees. And, you know, I could just really appreciate looking out of the ocean and seeing the vastness of it and the vastness of the world. And mm -hmm. uh, it, it makes a huge difference to take care of yourself because nobody else can do that for you. People, yeah. people can bring you food or uh, sit with you or that sort of thing, which is good. I'm not saying don't do that. that those things are good. But act, actively making the decision to take care of yourself in, in ways that are positive and support you can comfort you really more than anything else. There's lots of those those nightmares like you were talking about yeah. will come when you're not on a regular sleep cycle. And at both times with both husbands, I ended up getting a prescription for the doctor for something to help me sleep for the first few weeks mm -hmm. because uh, there was no sleep for me. It just it wasn't coming. And if I dozed off, I would have a dream I didn't want to have. And I was I had a fear of these dreams. But having that. Uh, help to get me over that hump i was able to to decrease it and get off of it relatively soon i, I went yeah. right away for a prescription after ron died because i knew what happened the first time and i knew the importance of getting adequate rest so that that really helped me a lot so i i whenever anybody asks me that question about what the first thing is you can do it's always self-care take good care of yourself yeah and what was the like a uh, like a next step in order to reduce the grip? Obviously, there will be time to time like you're gonna feel upset and depressed and stressed like things because some people are gonna talk about it and make you remember, right? What someone can do actually during that time? Like obviously you're socializing, you're talking, and someone talking about uh, your partner or the parents you lost. I, th I think it's important to not allow conversations to get away from you mm -hmm. because sometimes um, somebody will start saying something that is unknowingly hurtful yeah. and instead of reacting to it, you just sit there and take it because you don't want to talk about it. And that just makes it worse. So if you can get uh, proactive in your conversations, it's good. And, when you pay attention to what helps you when somebody says something to you, you can kind of guide people in that direction of, of what helps. Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, you were saying people talking about your, your loved one and it, it makes you sad. If 
when you're dealing with somebody who is dealing with loss, if you say something about their loved one and say their name and have it be positive, that yeah. can be better than anything else. Um, I wish Jacques, for instance, was a, a fabulous singer. And I had people come up and say, you know, I'm, I'm really going to miss his voice because every time I knew he was going to be performing someplace, I'd go because it just was so beautiful. Well, that, that made me feel good. That didn't make me sad. Yeah. You know, it, it brought back the, the good memories of that sort of thing. And the same thing happened with Ron when somebody would say something about how much he had helped them figure out a complex problem with their business. He was absolutely mm -hmm. amazing with that, that he really changed lives by the way that he helped other people. And I've, I've had lots of people say uh, either how he helped him or they missed him so much because they can't call him and ask him those questions that he was the one that always had mm -hmm. the answer for. So those, those sorts of things are really good where if they dwell on the negative, yeah. like, like me after Jacques died, people would say, well, you can always get married again. And that was the last thing on my mind. And it was not what I wanted to talk about at that point. Yeah. And saying like that, or to someone who loses a child, tell them, well, you can have another baby or you can adopt or they don't need you to say that. Really think before you say things so that uh, you can say something that is helpful and positive, always positive. And if someone says something to you that, that doesn't work, like uh, one of the things that I especially noticed after Jacques died, because I'm uh, not Jacques, Ron, because not that many people talked to me after Jacques died. Mm -hmm. We yeah. had been together a long time, had tons of friends and people that we knew but he'd been sick for so long. They had kind of drifted away and they just kind of weren't there for me. But after uh, Ron died, now I'm kind of losing my train of thought here. It was about we uh, talking. When people would uh, start to say something that, that wasn't positive, I can redirect yeah. the conversation. I don't have to listen to what it is that I know is going to make me cry or that I know mm. is going to be too hard to deal with. I can redirect the conversation into something that's more positive. Yeah. And the, the positivity and happiness is, is the key to be able to um, breathe and exhale and uh, find some relief. Yeah, that's a great way to look up, mostly, uh, especially during that time. I know a lot of people come with a different, different kind of advice, some of them which is great, and some of them is like making you feel like a more yeah. is, and uh, some people talk so mean way, and you just get to the conclusion, even though you haven't gone through the grief yet. And like I remember, like when my dad passed away, one of my uncles was just talking uh, bad things to my mom you should look after that way doing that way you you are the bad luck because of my brother died and everything so it was like a horrible thing you know like how can someone say that during this kind of situation honestly and these things like i know a lot of people goes through them certain things you no know, everyone's family are like supportive so i think we have to have like a kind of boundaries and also like the, especially family members need to look out for them kind of family members as well. Like uh, your mom lost uh, her husband, then obviously me as a son or a daughter need to 
take care of my mom and keep away the uncle or auntie like who's going to talk that kind of things you know like so we can see you like a, after a week or two not right now because you're going to make the mm -hmm. situation worse so i think we have to have a, that kind of boundaries for for those kind of people also and some people are really nice and supportive they give the positive energy like how you supported your sister uh, which is great you know but oftentimes like you get some kind of family members it just ruins the whole thing so in terms of like uh, during your process of going through the grief and everything did you have like someone supported you and helped you through the journey did you have any coach or like any family members when shock died i didn't mm -hmm. um my i have a son and a daughter and they both live way far away different directions and i had uh, I, I'd been the last two years of his life, I had stopped working anyplace else and stayed at home or at the hospital with him taking care of things like for him. And I did have one friend, uh, she was an absolute miracle. We became best friends right after eighth grade. And we never went to school together because she we, we always were at different schools, but we had connections on and off through our lives but i hadn't seen her for probably 20 years at that point because she she had moved to alaska which is very far away from where i was living okay. and she happened to bring her daughter down to go to graduate school at uh, the university yeah. and it came down from alaska so she made a point to come see me and it was right after uh well, Jacques was actually in the hospital when she got there, um, and he had fallen and broken his hip in addition to everything else. And mm -hmm. then the anesthetic he had put him into kidney failure, so he had to go on dialysis right then, and everything was just a mess. I was dealing with so much stuff, and to see this friend from the past just appear yeah. was so wonderful. And Jacques' husband happened to, not Jacques' husband, Jacques' son happened to be there that day. And he said, you know, you've been with dad like constantly. His, his son had come in from out of town. He said, why don't you go with your friend and go have dinner and just go spend the night at home and I'll stay here with dad. Yeah. And, and so that's what we did. And, and we went to my house and spent the night. And I, I said, you know, I've got a second room here. You can stay as long as you want to. She ended up staying with me and helping me take care of him until about two months after he died. Mm -hmm. And because her, her daughter was down here at the university or down in, in California at the university. So she didn't want to be too far away from her daughter. So it was a good thing for her. She had a place where she could stay that she wasn't worried about expenses yeah. or that sort of thing. And she could be close to her daughter. And it was a good thing to me because I, I don't know how I could have handled all of his care by myself. And she she really just pitched in and, and we both were taking care of him and it was it was amazing. So you never know when you're going to have a, a friend pop yeah. in and just when that sort of thing happens, welcome them with open arms, because lots of times people want to help, but they don't know how to help. They don't know what to do. They'll say something like, let me know if I can do anything for mm -hmm. you. Don't say that. <laughs> Never say <laughs> that because the, if the person could tell you what they needed help with, they could probably get it, the help taken care of themselves. Yeah. They don't need to be making decisions at that point. Just automatically do things like she just automatically showed up. 
those were, those are the people that helped me the most the people that just automatically showed up or just called me or sent me something in the mail just to to let me know that I wasn't forgotten mm-hmm. that people were thinking about me and that I wasn't alone in the world that's that's yeah. really important yeah absolutely like uh, it makes it easier like when you have like someone supporting you and be there for you when you actually need it like when I lost both of my parents first couple of months I was with my one of my brother-in-law house with his family and because he had like a young three children they always like keep me occupied because I was playing with them and everything so that time had like a good time as well and also my brother-in-law he is like also taking me outside we are playing some certain games and everything so always like I had a good distraction comparing to like what I was going through and it really really helped me so those who are going through grief I think they need some kind of friend or family members who can actually give them a good distraction for them because they need that for a few months or a few years it depends on the personal perspective so like a when you like uh, see like your clients comes to you with the help how's the process like you work with them at the beginning what what i do i i don't actually uh do life coaching i'm more of a facilitator okay. <clears throat> and we have have groups where will the the biggest thing <clears throat> i'm sorry nurse mm. the the thing that i do the most is help people with writing and and yeah. discovering things through their writing so i i have a a facebook group where people can i post a prompt every sunday and people can write and post it and talk to each other about their writing mm-hmm. but i also have a group on that meets every saturday and it, it's only for an hour but every saturday i give them a different topic to write on they'll write on it and then we share what we wrote about whatever it was mm-hmm. and it's powerful i i i never know what the topic's going to be from week to week i keep track of whatever comes up for me that that i give to them but all of them will tie back into how they're they're dealing with grief and what can help them yeah and and they find that really powerful and from doing all this i have just completed a pilot program to get a new thing started that we will be meeting every week um and do writing practices we'll do happiness practices and we'll have time it'll all be on zoom mm-hmm. still and, and because i'm getting kind of a international following instead of just um yeah people here on maui that we're doing it on zoom we can have more people come that way and then they'll have breakout rooms in in zoom so they get to know each other and get to talk to each other and we're going to be doing that every week and yeah. the i had invited uh about 20 people to do this pilot program with me where we talked about what i wanted to do then i did sample classes so they could see what it would be like and then we talked about it at at the end about what do we what do we do now to make this happen and one of the things we were talking about was how much to uh charge for it and i said you know i feel uncomfortable charging people for this kind of help this is the sort of thing i think everybody's entitled to and should mm-hmm. be able to have access to and so the group decided that they would get together and do a nonprofit organization to support the program 
Yeah. So now anybody can come to that program because it's at no cost because the nonprofit um, organization is making it happen. So I'm very yeah. excited about that. And I'm, I'm delighted to have anybody come into that group. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so we are running out of that time for this podcast episode. Um, just so thankful for you sharing your journey as well and talk about a little bit about your book. So those who's listening, how they can find your book and more about you. Uh, well, my book is Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. Yeah. And I, if you go on my website, you'll be able to um, sign up for this Grief and Happiness Alliance that I was talking about. It's, it's mm -hmm. a free service that's that's you can take full advantage of. You don't have to come every week, but every week you come, you're going to get benefit from it. And my website's name is the same as my book, Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief.com. And you're looking for the Grief and Happiness Alliance on, on the website to sign up for it. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much, Emily. So I really appreciate you coming to the show and share your journey. You need a lot of courage to share them kind of journey. And I really appreciate it. I wish you good luck with the rest of your life and in your career as well. I hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you very much. And I wish the same for you. Thank you so much. All right, then, guys, it's a wrap. So you know how to find Emily and her new book, which is Loving and Living Through Grief. And go check out her book and her website. And if you want to work with her, then reach out also. So that's a wrap. So I'll see you on the next episode. So take care. Stay safe. Thank you.